This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. At school, I was like straight A's, very good student, but then I was a huge, huge partier. I was like a mess and together. This is Death, Sex, and Money. Her boyfriend died? Yeah. So where is she? The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. And I'm pretty sure you're in love with me, too. Pretty sure, huh? And need to talk about more. And this creep is making billions off screwing over people this way. I'm Anna Sale. Growing up, actor Amy Landecker's father was a star. I just sucked it up like a little fame-seeking horror. (laughs) He was a rock and roll DJ in Chicago, John Records Landecker. WLS Music Radio. From Chicago, I am John Landecker, and Records truly is my middle name. It was FM radio in the 1970s. After sundown, he could be heard across 38 states. Amy got to meet people like John Travolta and Sean Cassidy. And when her father was at concerts or live broadcast, Amy was there. Oh, my God. I just strutted up past security, past thousands of screaming fans like, that's my daddy. Amy's now in her mid-40s and is just having breakout success. She's best known for her role on the Amazon series Transparent. She plays Sarah, the oldest sister. And talking to Amy, you get the sense that she's still catching up to the momentum of her career. Part of that is how she talks, open and loose with regular bursts of laughter. We talk about, like, difficult things. We talk about difficult things. Like she's trying to charm me at a dinner party, even as we sit down to start an interview at her publicist's office in Beverly Hills. You like that? I'm into difficult topics. That's not the way I usually describe (laughs) it right before. This is going to be terrible. Yeah. So Amy's game. She's fun. Like the 70s rock scene she grew up around. Turns out that scene was not great for marriage. Amy's parents split up when she was in elementary school. I don't have a lot of... I've probably blocked out a lot of my memories (laughs) of that time. I don't know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) They were really young. My parents are only 20 years older than me and my sister. They had, I think they were 19 years older than my sister and 21 years older than me. So they were really young. I think they were like 29 when they separated. Did you feel pulled to one parent or the other? Mm, No. I mean, I think... My dad was always the good time and my mom was more the parent. So in that respect, I probably always wanted to hang out with my dad just because we could eat junk food and, um, you know, and stay up late. And my mom was oddly strict and I wanted to please her very much. And I was very, you know, I don't think she knew much of what I was up to. You know, my father had a history of drug abuse and alcoholism, and I kind of inherited that quality (laughs) and was put in really dangerous, um, you know, unfortunate situations. And that went on until I was about 24. Are you talking about feeling victimized sexually? 
Um, yeah, I, yeah. And, and not, not victimized, doing things to myself, allowing things to happen that I would, would not have happened. Once you get to blackout, you know, there's really not much you can do to protect yourself. And I, I mean, there was one incident where I almost was, uh, taken by a bunch of guys down an alley, but I got saved from that. Mm, Who saved you? Uh, a friend in a car swinging by me running away. Um, it was like a nightclub. I was wasted. I just went with these guys and they were taking me down this alley. And luckily a friend started screaming and I don't know what would have happened, but she assured me that I was in serious trouble. Um, I've woken up, I've, you know, a couple of times not knowing where I was or who I was with. And so I don't really know what happened, but no one that I know has done anything to me that I didn't consent to at the time, whatever consent means when you're completely shit faced. Amy kept the extent of her drinking secret from some of her family, but it still corroded important relationships, like with her grandmother. My daughter's middle name is Marjorie, named after my dad's mom, Marjorie um, Landecker, who... Uh, are you like Barbara Walters, where like everyone cries at some point? I'm serious. Does someone always, do people always cry at some point? Because I feel like I'm about to do it right now. But <laughs> tell me. <laughs> Not all the time. Sometimes. But a lot of the time. Yeah, but it's okay. Um, yeah, I, um, she was like, she was just my favorite person. And I was in my very narcissistic drinking phase when she got sick. And I remember going to Ann Arbor the last time I saw her and I was just like obsessed about something. I don't know what. And I, she was getting ill and I wasn't even really paying attention and then uh, when I found out she died, I got drunk that night and was screaming like a crazy person and then laughing because, you know, you're drunk and knowing that, like, I wasn't emotionally dealing with what was happening. And it's like to miss out on mourning this person who is like pure goodness to me. She's just she's everything that you want a human being to be. So I've always regretted that I wasn't present with her. Um, in her last, you know, years of life. (laughs) What changed in your life when you turned 24? I got sober, and I've never actually talked about this publicly. I just stopped drinking, and everything got better. (laughs) (laughs) The final um, drink of my life was before a uh, audition. It was at nine o'clock in the morning, and I had a cast on my arm from falling earlier in the week, drunk at my house at a party. And I drank the night before, and I drank the morning of to stop shaking. And I was vomiting in the bathroom and went into this audition, and I was absolutely terrible. And I knew I was like, I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do for uh, for a living if I continue down this path. And I had dinner with my best friend from college that night, and I said, you know, I think I'm an alcoholic, and she was like. <laughs> Of course you are. Duh. <laughs> Did that surprise you? Um, her, her, it was fun. I've, I'd heard from some people. Usually if you have a drinking problem, there's people through the years that mention it to you. Um, and I'd heard that from a couple of people. I never quite heard it like her. Like there was something in the laugh where I thought, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's like, no, you're not. You know, or I'm like listening. Like yeah. She's like, <laughs> of course you are. And it was like this weird Oh, wow. Like, wow. Okay. Um, and she kind of saved my life in that moment. After that, Amy called her dad, 
and asked for help. My dad got sober before me, about four years before me. Mm. And so then we've been sort of on this other path um, together of not drinking and using. And What a, like, powerful thing to go it through It was together. amazing, yeah. And it's probably part of why we're very close. Um, I mean, you, you know, and it's not like all of a sudden you're saints. I mean, we're still complete fuck-ups and t- doing... <laughs> Like insane behaviors, but um, but it's it got better, and it was definitely something that I know if it hadn't been for him, that never would have happened at that time in my life, never in a million years. And I've never tried it again since because I just don't want to. I to me, it's like Russian roulette. I have maybe I can drink. I don't know. I was so young, maybe, um, but I've never wanted to go back to that ever so far. <laughs> Coming up, Amy Landecker gets pregnant, then married, then divorced, right as her career takes off. I don't think I took marriage as seriously as I should, hence the divorce. Um, But I knew I wanted to be a parent. It's probably the best thing that I've ever, I mean, it's, I'm so in love with my kid, it's a little weird. So we are still working on our episode about porn and your relationship to it. We've gotten lots of voice memos and emails from you. And for many of you, learning about sex really started with learning how to get your hands on porn. Some of you started with VHS tape, some with your dad's magazines or dial-up internet on the family computer. Then, of course, came the smartphone. How do you watch porn? Do you watch on your phone, on your laptop? Phone is easiest, yeah. Do you hold your phone or do you tilt it up somewhere? <laughs> Both. <laughs> I, this is very technical, technical questions. They are technical questions because porn is everywhere and also very private. So I want to know how you watch if porn is a part of your life. Do you wake up before your partner to start searching on your tablet? Do you delete your browser history? Or if you're trying to stop consuming porn, how do you avoid it when it's so readily available? Use your smartphone to record a voice memo and email it to us at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. Or you can just send us an email in writing. We'll give you a heads up if we use anything that you send us. On the next episode... You don't think that for one moment uh, people that swore to serve and protect would act like this. We're teaming up with the show Planet Money to bring you a story about when the people who are supposed to be enforcing the rules break them instead. He said, you going to tell us what we want to know? And I looked at him, said, I ain't got nothing to tell you. He said, okay, you're going to talk before the day is over with. And he put the cow prop back in the bag and walked back out. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. 
Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I'm Shankar Vedantam, here to tell you about a great mystery. That mystery is you. As the host of a podcast called Hidden Brain, I explore big questions about what it means to be human. Questions like, where do our emotions come from? Why do so many of us feel overwhelmed by modern life? How can we better understand the people around us? Discover your hidden brain. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, or just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash DeathSexMoney. We are so excited to see you there. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Amy Landecker studied theater in college, and through her 20s and early 30s, she did a lot of stage work and some television guest spots. But Chicago was still mostly her home base. I'd always wanted to come out to L.A. I'd had like a little bit of taste of it through the years, but it never I didn't want to come out here without work. It was too I was too afraid. Um, And I was a big voiceover in Chicago. I had a wonderful living and I got to do great theater. And so there was real no there was really no impetus to go anywhere. Plus, Amy's priorities were starting to change. I just broken up with someone because well, or we'd broken up because he didn't want to have kids. And I did. I was really clear about it. Um, within a year, I was married and had a child. <laughs> it was pretty fast. Were you 
supporting yourself, mostly doing voiceover work? Yeah. I was the voice. It was funny because I would go do theater at night, like hardcore getting orally sodomized by a chicken bone. <laughs> by, and then I would go do like the voice of Hallmark during the day. <laughs> Send a card. They'll never forget you remembered. Like that was my job for uh-huh. 10 years. And I did like Toys R Us. I did Sears. I did like really, I did like, I still do, uh, you know, really clean, wholesome products. <laughs> do you, are you still doing voiceover? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I hope to do it till the day I die. It's my favorite thing of all the stuff I've ever done. Honestly, it is. Why? I, I, um, it's, it doesn't. First of all, I think it has always felt really comfortable because of the microphone and growing up in radio and just loving being around studios. Um, I'm essentially lazy and it is the best bang for your buck of any job in, in the artistic field. I mean, you literally go to someplace for like an hour and can live off of it for the next six months. It's lazy man's art. Um, there's no, uh, because it's not a, um, physical, representation everyone behaves differently it's it because there's an like an anonymity to it everyone Mm -hmm. behaves differently there's Mm no sort of infighting in voiceover there's really no jealousy if you don't get the job you know you you don't feel as vulnerable Mm -hmm. because it's not like you're putting your physical self out there it's like not the same when your voice is rejected it's like okay i just didn't sound like the person that they wanted it to sound like it's not because i'm too old or too young or too fat or too thin or too whatever you know it feels Less um, existential. Yeah. 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 Amy's first major role in Hollywood felt like just the opposite. Her friend sent her the casting call. It was for the Coen Brothers movie A Serious Man. It was set in the 1960s. And it described this woman, Mrs. Samsky, who was like this seductress, uh, full frontal nudity required. And I was like, I, I like emailed him back. I was like, you're out of your freaking mind. <laughs> Did they see you naked before they cast you? No. That's what I mean. Like, I'm like, dudes, I had a baby. Like, I don't, you don't know what I look like. Like, I feel like if you go in for a casting for nudity, you should be pretty comfortable being nude. And I was not at the time at all. But, you know, they assured me. I, I told the costume uh, designer, I said, I don't, I don't have a great naked body. And she's like, I, it's the Coen brothers. Like, it's fine. Like, they don't care. You know, they like real people. And it's the 60s. And actually, the only it's challenge the, the only challenge we had is that I didn't have enough pubic hair, and I had to wear a merkin because I'd been like shaving for years and years and years and couldn't grow it back. That was the only issue that we had. And the other thing is, I have a rule that that I'm either naked or I'm in a love scene, but I don't actually do both at the same time. Why that rule? I had done this episode of House of Lies where I did on camera nudity with sex, and I found it really challenging and I and I've chalked that up to me my own personal history like sex is a loaded thing for me it's been an issue of like feeling safe feeling good feeling myself so I don't think there's anything wrong with it I just knew that I had to be true to who I am and that I was very uncomfortable with it and it was traumatizing me so I had Mm -hmm. actually turned down the audition first for transparent because I knew that on-camera sexual nudity is required. And so I said, no, I don't, I don't do that. And so, you know, luckily, uh, like, the gods aligned and Jill Soloway 
knew who I was and was had some kind of instinct that she wanted me to be Sarah. And so she asked if she could have lunch with me and find out why I wouldn't audition for her show, wow. which has never happened in the history of Los Angeles to any <laughs> actress that I've ever known and I, that isn't a name, you know, and I didn't know how she even knew who I was. And then I'll tell you what's funny is the first thing she said when I walked into the restaurant is, I can't believe I'm meeting John Records Landecker's daughter. And I went, ah, ah, <laughs> ah, I'm in. She had listened to my dad growing up. She was from Chicago. And, you know, she just said, what's up? And I said, I'm just, I just not good at it. I don't like doing it. I know you're going to want someone who's comfortable. And she's like, well, we don't have to do that. We'll do whatever you want to do. Of course, I've done way more than I thought I would ever do. But <laughs> but as long, it's just weird. As long as I have clothes on in some way, I'm pretty free to do whatever I want. And then as long when they come off, I don't want anyone to come near me. <laughs> By the time Jill Soloway cast Amy in Transparent, Amy had moved to Los Angeles with her husband and daughter, and her marriage had ended. Her divorce had uncomfortable echoes with her transparent character, Sarah. Do you feel okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't want you to be mad at me. In Transparent's first season, Sarah is leaving her husband, whom she has a family with, to reunite with a college girlfriend. This doesn't, this has nothing to do with, this isn't us, this is me. I could barely get through the scene without weeping because it reminded me so much of, not, I mean, I'm not gay, so it wasn't about, and I'm not bi. So it wasn't, it wasn't about that aspect of it, but the idea that like, I need to try something. I'm, I'm needing to try something else. This marriage isn't fitting. Me. Yeah. It's not fitting me. Um, and yeah, it was like bizarre. You know, I would say to anyone getting divorced, my experience, it was the worst time of my whole life. Like it is, I, I, I don't know if I'll ever experience pain like that. My dad's been divorced. Like, he's on his fourth wife. And he's actually the person who said to me, like, get married. Marriage isn't forever or whatever. If it doesn't work out, you get divorced. And I really had this idea, like, oh, yeah, I'll get divorced. And it's like, well, what does that actually mean when you have kids? You know, it means you're not going to see your little child all the time if you're in an amicable divorce with a good parent. I, mm-hmm. I certainly wasn't going to take her away from her father, who's this great dad. So that meant that my six-year-old was going to go away from me a couple of nights a week. And I had caused that. I had, or I had at least initiated that process. And I couldn't forgive myself for that. I couldn't, you know, we were in the state of California because I had made all this voiceover money. I actually had to be the one to pay out, which was not something that I had foreseen would, how that would feel really painful, (laughs) you know, like, and there's this real societal sexism that supports you in that. Like, how dare he? You know, it's like, well, he traveled around and helped me build my career. And, but that's not how it felt. I was, didn't a, feel good. No, still. It's, I was a raging freak. Um, and I would watch Louie. There was this one episode in particular where when his kids would leave, he would like eat donuts, get high and like want to kill himself. And I was just so comforted because mm-hmm. I was like, that's how I feel. You know, that's how I feel. And people told me it was going to get better, and I didn't believe them. And it it absolutely did. And it's just time. You know, I I would say it it honestly took six years, though, for me to, like, really feel good again. But two years to be functioning pretty well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to stop crying every time she left, (laughs) you know. Amy and her ex-husband share custody of their daughter. They're both in new relationships. Amy is dating the actor Bradley Whitford. They met through Transparent. And it's a relationship Amy wasn't expecting. I was single for the first time 
and really happy. I was like, I'm finally happy. I'm never going to go out with anyone ever again. And my daughter, though, was worried that I was going to be alone. And she wrote, she wanted me to go on online dating. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I just can't. I'm too afraid to meet strangers. And anyway, and so she's like, well, let's just make a list then of the qualities that we're looking for. She's like 11. So she takes out this piece of paper and she titles it, if you're not this, then never mind. And it goes from (laughs) one to 20. And it was all these qualities that I wanted. I want him to be at least 10 years older than me. I want him to have been through a divorce. I want him to already have had kids. I want him to like cats and dogs, which Bradley has both, which is very rare. He has Uh a cat and two dogs. Um, They have to have a great sense of humor. They have to, I want, I think I wrote down, this is really funny. I wrote down, I want them to be like more successful than me. Or, and then I switched it to like as success, like something happened and that year, Later, Bradley got an Emmy nomination. I didn't, and my daughter blamed it on this change that I made on the list. She's like, well, that's because you changed the list. You shortchanged yourself. Yeah, I short, you shortchanged yourself. Which I thought was really funny. I was like, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Are you making a lot more money than you did <laughs> in your days in Chicago? You know what's funny? I made a lot of money in voiceover, and they only took 10% off the top. I definitely make more money now, but I lose between lawyers, publicists, uh, on-camera maintenance, like getting my hair colored regularly or, you know, um, getting lasers for my skin. Like, there's like 40% before you even get to taxes. So it's been interesting. Like, yes, do I, do I, am I more comfortable now? Yes. But is there significantly a big difference? No. Because I on camera work is way more expensive, mm-hmm. you know. There's been a minor change, but nothing. But I I don't feel I don't feel rich. Mm-hmm. Anything, <laughs> anything you've bought that you feel like you well, wouldn't I have bought? I, now I'm like, and I did buy a little. I bought a little house in Santa Monica, like a thousand square foot house. Um, and I don't think I would have ever had the nerve. I never had any sense that stuff was going to come in, and I was always very careful. So. I, I always say to everybody, like, this is the transparent house. This is what Transparent bought. <laughs> uh-huh. So it gave you more financial courage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I mean, this is the first year where I'm like, oh, my God, I actually think I'm, I'm okay. Mm. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's nice. That's actor Amy Landecker. She stars in all three seasons of the Amazon series Transparent, and her latest movie Dreamland opens November 11th in New York, L.A., and on video on demand. Besides voice work for commercials, Amy has also earned money over the years doing stand-in voice work for other actors, including Julia Roberts. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. That's my Julia Roberts. <laughs> New York Magazine did a video about that. You can see it on our website at deathsexmoney.org. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. I'm based at the Center for Investigative Reporting in Emeryville, California. The team includes Katie Bishop, Chester Jesus Soria, Emily Botine, and Andrew Dunn. Our interns are Ali Lesperance and Rich Renalik. 
The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale, and the show is at Death, Sex, Money. Sign up for our weekly Death, Sex, and Money newsletter by going to deathsexmoney.org slash newsletter or text the word newsletter to 69866. God, I have really told you a lot. <laughs> Thank you. In a very, like... Generous way, oh you know, like it's interesting. I know your energy is like I'm like this is a safe place, and then it's like oh yeah, and then it's going to get put out into the universe. It's just like what happens to me on Transparent. It's like oh yeah, no, I'll bend over. You can you can flog me, and then I'm like oh wait, no, we're actually going to show that to people. <laughs> I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC.